Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Tuesday, December 8th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Boris Johnson heads to Brussels with trade deal talks and a deadlock. Uber is ditching plans to develop its own self-driving car, and China has curbed its overseas lending in a serious way. Plus, there's a ton at stake for Europe during the EU summit later this week, but Angela Merkel has a lot of skin in the game, too. We'll explain why. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Brexit talks continued on Monday with very few developments, and it caused investors in sterling to lose confidence. The pound was down more than a half a percent against the dollar yesterday afternoon. But there were two bits of important news. UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said they're going to meet in Brussels soon. And Johnson scrapped the law-breaking clauses from the UK's internal market bill. Here with me now is the FT's EU correspondent Jim Brunsden to break these two things down. Jim, why is the meeting between Johnson and von der Leyen a notable development? It's quite a striking development. It basically means that talks are now shifting to the highest political level. So we've had months and months of Michel Barnier, the EU's chief negotiator, negotiating with his UK counterpart, David Frost. But that now seems to be more or less at an end. And effectively, Boris Johnson and Ursula von der Leyen are going to take over that negotiation and, and try and hammer out a deal while, while he's in Brussels. The issue there a bit is that there's so much still to do. I mean, really what there are is that there are three areas where they don't agree and they're crucial areas and they're the same areas areas since the start of the talks back in March. So um, fishing rights for EU boats in UK waters, the level playing field conditions for businesses that the EU wants, and the governance arrangements of the deal. But each of those contain like several different things. So actually, you know, you're looking at a situation where depending on how this is all organised, you could have you know, von der Leyen and Boris Johnson, neither of whom are technical experts in, in this dossier, having to deal with 20 very technical open issues. So, Jim, what, what about this development with the internal market bill? That that seems like progress. Yeah, so it, progress is, is an interesting word to use about it because you know, in Brussels, where, where I am, people are seeing it as progress. Effectively, what's happened is that the UK has set out its conditions for dropping uh, a bunch of provisions from a piece of legislation called a piece of draft legislation, sorry, called the Internal Market Bill that's making its way through Parliament and that's been on the scene since September. Um, and from another piece of legislation as well that, that would violate the divorce treaty that Boris Johnson agreed with the EU last year. What the UK has now said is that it will ditch this so long as certain understandings are reached in, in the joint committee of EU and UK officials that oversees the implementation of that deal. But politically, this is all seen as well as being linked to the trade talks because from the UK's point of view, these provisions become all the more necessary in a no trade deal scenario. And now this whole hot mess is being handed to Ursula von der line and Boris Johnson. Jim Brunsden is the FT's EU correspondent. Thank you, Jim. Pleasure. Uber is parking its plans to develop its own self-driving car. The car booking giant announced yesterday that it's instead swapping its operations for a minority stake in Aurora. That's the driverless vehicle startup backed by Sequoia and Amazon. The swap comes at a sizably marked down valuation for Uber, though. Uber will transfer about 1,200 employees of its self-driving unit to Aurora, and Uber will invest $400 million. To put that into context, this triples Aurora's headcount and brings its valuation up to $10 billion. What does Uber get? 
26% stake in Aurora. And China has been curbing overseas lending from its two largest policy banks over the past few years. Back in 2016, lending by China's development bank and the Export-Import Bank was $75 billion. Last year, it was down to just $4 billion. That's according to data compiled by Boston University and seen by the FT. This is big news because China was lending nearly as much as the World Bank at one point. And it's a reflection of how China is rethinking its Belt and Road Initiative. This is the grand infrastructure project that's building roads, railways, and ports from Africa to Asia. But the initiative has gained more and more criticism from around the world. Critics say there's been too much lending to low-income countries with shaky finances. And there hasn't been enough transparency when it comes to social and environmental impact studies. And then there's a focus on China itself. The FT spoke to a senior research fellow on China at Chatham House. She said in the wake of the coronavirus pandemic, policymakers in China and the public turned to investing more in the country's health services instead of lending its money abroad. There is so much on the line when it comes to this week's EU summit. Here's what's at stake. The 1.8 trillion euro seven-year budget the bloc agreed on at the height of the pandemic. This includes a sizable recovery fund package. Then there are the terms of a post-Brexit relationship between the UK and the EU. And, of course, the debate over the rule of law. All the while, Germany's six-month EU presidency is coming to an end, and Angela Merkel's legacy as a consensus politician could be at stake. Guy Chazan, our Berlin bureau chief, is on the line to break this down for us. Guy, tell us first about the COVID-19 recovery fund and what could be standing in its way. So the uh, EU member states agreed in the summer to set up this 750 billion euro recovery fund. Now, what's really new and exciting about this fund is that it will be funds that are borrowed by the European Commission on capital markets. This is the first time it's really done that. And it's a major step for a country like Germany, for example, which has been adamantly opposed to the whole idea of common debt uh, in the EU. It made this enormous quantum leap because Angela Merkel was a cognizant of just what an enormous crisis the EU was facing. And what's blocking it now is that the EU member states uh, and the European Parliament also agreed on a mechanism which would tie a dispersal of the funds to adherence to the rule of law. Poland and Hungary are two countries which are going down a very illiberal route, uh, which has uh, alarmed other members of the EU. And uh, they feel that this rule of law mechanism is targeted against them. And as a result, they've threatened to veto the entire budget package. Okay, so Guy, what happens if Poland and Hungary went ahead with their threat to veto the deal? What does that look like? Well, the main problem will be for the budget. The leaders of the EU have agreed on a seven-year multi-annual financial framework, the MFF. Uh, This is the, the budget basically for the next seven years. If Hungary and Poland carry through with their threat, that would basically scupper the budget, which would mean that the EU would have to basically take on a kind of emergency budget, uh, a kind of austerity budget. And obviously that would have huge implications for the poorer members of the EU. So in a way, Hungary and Poland would be shooting themselves in the foot because they deprive themselves of massive funds. But the European Commission is also saying that it has the capacity to set up this recovery fund 
without Hungary and Poland. But that would not be the ideal solution, certainly not for someone like Angela Merkel, who is very much about inclusion and uh, trying to find a compromise solution that is acceptable to everybody. So switching gears a bit, I want to talk about Brexit. Britain had been hoping to agree to a deal with the EU in time for the summit. That's looking unlikely. If the two sides are still at odds, could this derail the summit agenda? Well, I don't think it will derail it, but it will certainly impinge on it. The EU leaders were hoping that the trade deal would be done and dusted by now. And instead, it looks like it could bleed into the summit on um, Thursday and Friday. And that's really the last thing they want. You know, they have, in a way, outsourced the whole negotiation of a, of a post-Brexit trade deal between the EU and the UK to Michel Barnier and his team. Because I think that, in a sense, Boris Johnson thinks that these issues can only be resolved by an intervention by European leaders. Okay, so going back to the seven-year budget, could Germany still pull it off? And, and if it can, you know, what would it take? Well, I think that Angela Merkel will be pulling out all the stops this week to try and find a form of words, to try and find some kind of deal which would be acceptable to Hungary and Poland, uh, some kind of formulation which would give them comfort that this rule of law mechanism isn't designed to target them specifically. So there might be ways of sort of giving them comfort which would allow them to drop their veto. Uh, that, I think, is the the big hope that people like uh, Angela Merkel have at the moment. And guys, speaking of Merkel, what's at stake for her personally? Well, I mean, at the moment, we're facing the prospect of a double no deal, no deal on Brexit and no deal on the EU budget. That would obviously mark a huge defeat for Angela Merkel because she has the reputation as Europe's prime a crisis manager. And so everybody's looking to her now to be able to break the log jam and cut this Gordian knot and uh, hopefully try and rescue this uh, summit from the, the jaws of defeat. I mean, if anyone can do it, it's Angela Merkel, but the, the challenges she faces are really formidable. Guy Chazan is our Berlin bureau chief. Thank you, Guy. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Matt and Sean from Two Black Guys with good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.